All right, people, let's go ahead and have a seat. Time is up. Time is up. Good morning. Good to see you guys. No response. That's okay. I won't take it personally. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, whatever. It's all good. Oh, thank you. Happy birthday. I appreciate that. You guys see what my wife did for me on my birthday? Online. If you happen to miss it, my wife, uh, I did have my 41st birthday uh, this last week, and my wife happened to uh, write or actually make a pie for me, and on the pie, she put a number 42, um, and so I don't know what that means. Uh, I don't know what that means at all, so, um, but I love my wife. It's a good pie, and so, yes, I've had like 40 people tell me, that's hilarious. Your wife is crazy. I'm like, uh, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I know, I know. So, no, she's amazing. So, all right, well, today what we're going to do is we're going to start a new series, and I want to jump right into it because we've got a lot to talk about. And so we're going to start a new series, um, and you guys are going to be totally blown away by this title. We're Living Missionally. We have been talking about this term, discussing this idea for quite some time, and we've strategically put this series at this point in time right before the fall so that our crowd, us as internal people who are part of this church, will be all on the same page as we jump into the crazy fall that we are about ready to have. And so missional living, just a term it technically means, or what we're thinking it means, is to live intentionally, to live deliberately, to live on purpose, all right? And if you're living on purpose, that means that you have a goal. And so our goal as a church is to make disciples together. That's our goal, is to make disciples. The church word for this living, living uh, missionally is evangelism, right? Evangelism. And so what we're going to talk about today is that, is being a light in a dark world. And my hope, you guys, is this, is that this won't be just our church logo, this won't, or our church purpose. This will actually be the purpose for each and every one of us, that we would go out and make disciples and we would live missionally. And so in order to talk about being a light to this world, I want to tackle a very famous parable that Jesus talked about. If you don't know what a parable is, a parable uh, is this. It's a little story that teaches a big idea. I've heard it also said that it's an earthly story that gives a heavenly meaning or that has a heavenly meaning, but it's basically a small earthly story that has a big heavenly idea. And so we're going to tackle a story or a parable that Jesus talked about. He was a great storyteller. He doesn't get a lot of credit for that, but he was an amazing amazing storyteller. In fact, he, uh, he actually told 40 parables, around 40 parables inside of the Bible. And so one-third, catch this, one-third of all the words that we have that Jesus spoke are in the form of a parable. They're a parable, so they're very important, all right? And at one point in Jesus's ministry, this is crazy, he taught exclusively through parables, through stories. And we know that because in Mark chapter four, it says this, it says, he, Jesus, did not say anything to them, them being the crowd, without, and here it is, using a parable. And so the reason that Jesus decided to use parables, the reason he decided to teach through story form is because what he was saying was so important, it was so significant, it was so vital that it needed to be remembered, right? It needed to be remembered. And since there was no printing press, and even if there was, most people in that time couldn't read, Jesus decided to use stories because we all love stories, don't we? 
We remember stories. I've been a youth pastor. I was a youth pastor for years. And I've had students come up to me over and over and tell me, hey, do you remember when you told that story about this? And I'm like, yeah, I remember that. Uh, do you remember the point of the sermon? And they're like, no, but I do remember the story. Um, and so they remember the stories that are told. And there's something about stories. We love stories, don't we? J.R.R. Tolkien wrote a few little books called The Lord of the Rings. One of my favorite stories of all time, the story of Frodo, who takes this tiny little object and he travels across all over Middle Earth to Mordor to drop it inside of Mount Doom so that Sauron will be destroyed. It is a beautiful story. We've got uh, C.S. Lewis, who wrote The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, right? The Chronicles of Narnia, the, the, there's Lucy, there's Aslan, there's Peter, King Peter, and there's all these stories, the horse and his boy. If you've not read them, they're an amazing story, an amazing story that, that you can totally remember. Huge. Another one, Sid Hoff wrote a great book called Danny and the Dinosaur. Huge one. It's about this dinosaur who was playing hide-and-seek with these kids, but he couldn't hide because he was too big, so he tried to hide behind a lamppost. That didn't work. He eventually found good friends. I mean, it's a great story. If you haven't read it, got to read it. Changed my life. Totally changed my life. <laughs> we love stories. And today what I want to do is I want to talk about the story that Jesus told, a parable called The Lamp on the Stand. All right, the lamp on the stand. It's also been called the pointless lamp. And the reason why I want to share this passage today while we're talking about missional living is because Jesus' purpose, the point behind the parable, the, the, um, the principle behind the passage that he was talking about is still, catch this, just as important. It is still just as vital and it is still just as significant. And so this is my third time, catch this, we've got to remember this. This is my third time talking on missional living in the six months that we have started this church, which will tell you that this topic is so important to the foundation of this church. And so we've got to not just remember it, we've got to implement this. This is the whole goal of today. And so this parable, let's talk about it. The lamp on a stand. It's found in three places in scripture, so if you through, look through and thumb through, it'll be found in all of the synoptic gospels. There are four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are called the synoptic gospels, which means that they are similar, but they are alike in structure, and it's found in every single one of those. This parable is also probably the shortest parable that Jesus ever taught. It's very short, it's only like a few verses. And in fact, it's, it's much less like a story and works more like a glorified illustration or an example about a lamp and about a bull and about the significance of light. And so I learned the significance and the importance of light at an early age. Uh, we were vacationing in Moclips. Anybody know where Moclips is? North of, uh, north of Ocean Shores, just a little bit. And we were vacationing, we were camping, and the first night that we got there, I've never forgot this, this is crazy, we got there, and that night we had to go to the beach. And so we go to the beach, and this is back when I was a kid in junior high, and so they would, parents, they would just send you off, and you know, if you returned, they were happy about that. If not, they were even happier, okay? So they sent us off with, catch this, an actual old school lantern, the ones you had to light. So an actual old school lantern. And the reason we went down there is because it was this crazy phenomenon that was happening. 
in the shores, what's happening was called a jubilee. So it's not the jubilee from the Bible where, you know, the 50-year celebration. It's a jubilee where this crazy thing happens where crab, for no reason, scientists don't understand, will come from the deep waters and migrate into the shallow waters near the shore. Well, this was happening right here. It was happening right in our backyard. And so there were crab all over the place. And so if you lift your lantern, you could see crab. You couldn't take them, right? You couldn't have them. But we just thought this was the coolest thing. And so me and my sister and our two junior high friends, we just went out. And we just started going all over the place. And we're looking at the crab. And our parents just let us go. So we went for quite some time. And we were out on this sandbar. And we're looking and we're paying attention. It was just absolutely beautiful. It was magnificent. But our sandbar in the time that we were out there actually changed to an island because the tide was coming in. And we didn't notice it. We didn't pay attention to it because we're junior high, all right? We don't pay attention to any type of details. And so we're out there and it turned to an island. And the only way, this is so great, the only way to get back to the shore is to walk through the crab-infested waters back to the seashore. So it was amazing. So we thought, we're smart, we grabbed our lantern and we got in a line so that nobody would step on a crab. And so we are walking, okay, we're walking through, I'm in second position, and I have this great, amazing junior high idea to scare the person in front. So I said, look out! And she dropped the lantern into the water and now it is pitch black and we are walking through the waters with little Sebastians running all across our feet. It was so crazy. My sister started screaming. I had to pick her up and carry her. It was awesome. So awesome. One of my favorite memories in life. And so I learned at an early age that light is important, right? It is so important. It illuminates so that you can see. And so what I want to do is I want to talk through the story that Jesus told about light. And so Jan, wherever you're at, could you stand up? I asked her if she would read this passage, Matthew 14, or 5, 14 through 16. So go ahead. Thank you so much, Jan. That's great. All right, let's break this down. Let's go through it verse by verse. Verse 14. Jesus said this. He said, you, you are the light of the world. And so the natural question is, who is you? Who is Jesus talking to? He is talking to a crowd, but more specifically, he is talking to his disciples, which means he is talking to us, those who know him. So he's saying that you, the church, we are the light of the world. And to be honest, for a long time, I struggled with this passage. And here's why I struggled with it. Because I had grown up always thinking that Jesus was the light of the world, correct? In fact, the reason I thought that was because Jesus himself said, I am the light of the world. In John 8, it says this, I, Jesus, saying himself, me, I am the light of the world. If you, talking about us, follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. And here's the good news. Because you will have the light, this is our topic today, the light that leads to life. And so at first glance, if you were to look at this, it really does look like Jesus is contradicting himself. And the Bible seems to be contradicting itself. But as we've said over and over when we're in here is that when you look through scripture, when you study scripture, you have to take it in context. 
And the biggest context, the greatest context that you can take God's word in is in its entirety. And so in the book of John, there's actually another passage where Jesus talks about light. And here's what he says in John chapter 9. He says, while I am in the world, key phrase there, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And that gives us a clue because obviously Jesus is not in the world right now. He was. And at the time when he was here, he was the light of the world. But he's not in this world. Where is he? He is at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And so in his absence, what he is saying is that you are the light of the world. In my absence, you are the light of the world. So like the moon reflects the sun, we are to reflect the sun as well. Does that make sense? He is shining from heaven through our lives, and we are to be a light to this world. So just like when you're on a night and all of a sudden the new moon doesn't actually produce any light itself, it just simply reflects. And on beautiful nights when the moon is full, it can be a very beautiful thing. And so Jesus is saying, you are the light of the world. And so here's what happens next. Jesus begins to describe the effect of light. Second half of verse 14, Jesus says, a town, or other translations say a city, built, and that's an interesting word here, and we'll get back to it. I'll explain the meaning here. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. And this is a difficult illustration. This is a difficult concept for us to grasp, to relate to, because we live in an industrial world, don't we? Everywhere we walk outside, when night has fallen, we see street lamps, we see headlights, we see flashlights, we see uh, our phones have lights on them. There's signs that are flashing lights all the time, and basically they're all competing for our visual attention when we walk outside. But if you were to get off the grid, right, if you were to go to Big Sky, Montana, and clouds cover over the night, and you can't see the stars, and you can't see the moon, and there are no lights to be found. It is pitch black, and you cannot see your hand in front of your face. This is what Jesus is talking about. He's saying that it cannot be hidden because right now we're competing with all the other lights. We don't get this, but in Israel, catch this, Jesus was saying that this, or this illustration makes more sense. If you've been to Israel, um, you'll realize it's pretty flat, Right? If you've been there, they don't have the mountains like we have. They don't have the trees like we have. And their houses were built out of white limestone, most of the houses. So when there was light, if there was a lamp, it would glow and reflect off of a city and it would shine. And because there are so many hills or, tr or trees to block the view and there's no other lights around like street lamps, you couldn't help but see that city from a great distance. You could be miles away from the city and you couldn't help but see it. That's what Jesus is talking about. He's saying a city on the hill, this little hill cannot be hidden because it is so bright. That's the illustration. We don't quite see that. That's what Jesus means when he says it cannot be hidden. Now, that word built, I said, it, I'll get back, I said I'd get back to it. It's a little Greek word that means placed or strategically placed. And I think this is super interesting because back in Israel, they used to place cities on these hills First off, for protection, but second of all, you could see them from miles away, and they were strategically placed there, and they were put there for the reason of defense, and they were put there so that people could see them, and what's amazing is that you are placed, wherever you're at in life, strategically placed. You have been built and put in the place where you are at, on purpose, and you may not like where you're at, right? You may not like your job. Can I hear an amen? Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> 
You may, not like, uh, you may not like where you live. You may not like your family. You may not like where your situation's at, but God has strategically put you there on purpose. He's allowed you to find your way to that place in life so that, here's a big deal, you can be a light for him. That is your purpose. So wherever you're at, whether you like it or you don't like it, you're there on purpose, and the purpose is that you would be a light. Now in the next verse, Jesus kind of uh, gives us the point to the parable. He says this. He says, neither do people, or another way to say that is people do not, light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Uh, other translations say bushel. Can't hide it under a bushel, all know. It's kind of an outdated word for bowl. Um, can't hide it under a basket. Instead, they put it on a stand. And now here's the purpose. And it gives light to everyone in the house. You see, they couldn't walk, obviously, inside of the house and flip on a switch and all of a sudden lights illuminate. The way that they would light their house is they would light a lamp and they would put it in the center of the house on a stand and that would light the whole house for everyone to see. And the point of this passage, the principle of this parable, and it's a little cheesy, but this is exactly what Jesus is saying. He's saying that light is meant to be revealed, not concealed. Light in itself, is, not, is, is meant to be revealed, not concealed. And so I'm going to do my best to try to illustrate this. And I'm going to give you no warning whatsoever, but we are going to turn out all the lights right now. And now. There we go. Now the function of darkness is to conceal, right? It is to conceal. It is to hide. And so you, you know this, you know, crimes, when do most crimes actually happen? They happen at night. Every great war movie or Western movie said, well, wait for the cover of darkness and then they'll attack, right? They don't attack during the middle of the day. Teenagers who want to make out, they don't do it at high noon on your front lawn, right? <laughs> they go to a dark place. They go to a movie theater. They go to a, uh, to a parked area in the back of a car in the middle of the night to do their thing, right? Um, you may be single here, and you're thinking, oh, man, this is a great opportunity. Nobody will see if I reach over and hold that girl's hand. I say go for it, right? <laughs> this is a great opportunity. Darkness conceals. I could be dancing a jig up here, and you would have no idea, right? I'm not. But what Jesus is saying is that we are to light a lamp. The function of darkness is to conceal. But the difference here is that light is meant to reveal. The function of light is to illuminate. And a little bit of light makes a huge difference. Makes a huge difference. John 1.5 says that the light overcomes darkness. Every single time light comes in, darkness runs away. There's nothing it can do. It can't fight back. It just disappears. It dispels. It is gone. It has gone faster than my self-esteem when I take off my shirt. It's just like, it's out of there. Okay, it is out of there, it is gone. It cannot fight, it cannot compete with light. Light always wins in the battle against darkness. And light has a couple of functions as well. One of them is to reveal. When you turn on a light, you can see things, especially in a place where there is no light 
where you can't see light, all of a sudden the light shines super, super bright. And you can see things. And you can see the reality of what is. A light does another thing. It warns. Okay? It warns. Think about this. A, uh, if you're um, like a lighthouse, it has that light that spins around and you know that shore is over there and you know you're not supposed to go that direction. And it warns you, stay away, stay away. Light is a good thing. Uh, this summer, we went to Montana, and one of the crazy things is, is as we were out there fishing, and it started to get dark, the, um, we couldn't get the motor to start. And, uh, and so what we had to do is we had to turn on the lights of our boat so that nobody would run into us. We eventually got another little motor started, and we drove back in the middle of the night trying to see through the darkness. We couldn't see hardly anything. And what was crazy is there was another boat out on the water, and as we got close to them, they must have turned on their cell phone light and waved it at us so that we wouldn't hit them. So they were trying to warn us. Light warns. It reveals. It warns. It also uh, does crazy thing like guides us. It guides us on where to go. Think about a runway. Runway lights um, when you're going down into an airport. It tells the plane where to land. It says land in this area. Come down in this direction. It guides. Flashlights guides. Us. Headlights on our car guide us and tell us where to go. The word of God is literally does the same thing. It's, the Bible says it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It guides us on where we're supposed to go. Light does other crazy stuff. It actually comforts. Think about this. When your kids were little and they had a nightmare and things were scary, what was the first thing that you did when you walked into the room? You turned on a light because light comforts. Now what Jesus is saying is he's saying that light is a good thing, right? But if you were to take it and you were to put it and cover it up with a basket, with a bushel, with a bowl, that this is pointless, this is ridiculous. You might as well not even light the light in the first place. It makes no sense. It's like essential oils. They have no purpose whatsoever. <laughs> I have no idea what they do besides smell bad, all right? So there's no point to actually cover up the light. He's saying this is meaningless. This makes no sense. My wife has bought these things for my kids every single time they were a baby and they were teething. Have you heard of these teething necklaces? They're like stones. It's not for them to chew on, right? It's literally stones to put around their neck that magically take away the pain. Um, I thought that was called Tylenol. But my, my wife, she, she went to the local witch doctor and buys these things for like 60 bucks. And then our kids wear these necklaces. They're pointless, all right? They're not magical rocks. And I'm sorry if my wife is in here. I apologize, but we've talked about this. Um, <laughs> Jesus is saying, don't put the light under a basket. Don't put it under a bowl. Put it on a stand so that all can see. This is the point of light. When you cover it up, you might as well have never lit the light in the first place. You should have never even gone through the process because light is meant to be revealed. It is not meant to be concealed. All right, Kevin, you can turn the lights back on if you would. Thank you. Oh, there you guys are. And so, let me just say this. Spiritually speaking, here's what this means. If you know Jesus, if you have a relationship with him, then you are the light. You have that hope. 
You have the answer, whether you recognize it or not, to every single question, to everything, to life itself. If you know Jesus, he is living inside of you, and that means he is shining on you, and he is asking you to put your light, the light, his light, the gospel, the good news, up on a stand, on display, on high beams for all people to see. He wants us to show it. And in the dark world, that we can be a light inside of a dark, dark world. And so if you know Jesus, your light is not meant to be concealed. It's meant to be revealed. That is the purpose of light. Now, if you don't know Jesus and you are here, you have to hear this verse. This passage is unbelievable. You've got to hear this. Jesus, this is what he said, and the apostle John wrote it down. He said, this is the message. So this is the gospel. This is the good news. This is salvation. We have heard from him, and him is Jesus, and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship, or in other words, a relationship with him, and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. Now here's where the hope comes in. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And he's talking about fellowship, not just with God, but with God's family, with us, with the church, with his people. And here's the best part. The blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Now, if we claim to be without sin, which a lot of my non-Christian friends do, they say, I just don't believe in that. I don't believe in sin. I don't believe in God. But if you claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. And so here's how we receive that truth. Here's how we receive that light, that life. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You guys, that is the gospel. That is amazing. The fact that we at some point in time were separated from God, our lamp was completely snuffed out. We had at one point our lamp lit and then what we ended up doing is we ended up somehow unlighting it. And we had no way to get back in right relationship with Jesus. We had no way to come back to him. But then Jesus came back along and he took the price that we couldn't pay and he lit our lamp. He lit it, he illuminated us, and he gave us a way, a path to be in right relationship with God again. And it says all we have to do is to have faith in him, to put our trust in him, and to confess that we can't make it on our own. We can't be a light on our own. The only light that we have is a reflection of who he is. That is the gospel. That is the good news. That is the great news that we have as Christians. And if you are not a Christian and you don't know Jesus and you're just in here checking this thing out, my hope for you is you would just give him a shot. I did a long time ago and he proved himself to me and he's proved himself over and over again. And it's the best decision that I've ever made in my life. And so if you're interested in that, I just say those connection cards, there's a point on there for you to write down that that you want to know more about him and we'd love to come talk to you. It was a story I heard years ago. Now, I don't know if it's true, but again, because I'm a pastor, we tell all stories like they're true. Um, And so years ago, I was, no, it wasn't about me. Um, But there was a story I heard about a Midwestern uh, town. In a Midwestern town, there was this guy. And his job simply was this. He was to protect and guard the train crossing, to protect cars. And so what he would do is that when a train was coming, 
he would walk out of his station and he would grab his lantern and he would come and stand at the crossing. This was before, you know, technology got too crazy. And he would hold the lamp up and he would tell the oncoming cars that you could not come this direction. There is a train coming. And so at one night, just a normal night, he all of a sudden saw that a train was coming. So he grabbed his lantern, he took his post, and he went out there and he raised his lantern to let the car know that, hey, there's a car, a train coming, you're going to need to stop. But unfortunately, the car didn't seem to be slowing down, and so he just raised it a little bit higher and was like, hey, here it is, just let you know. Uh, the train is coming, and he could see the train, he could see the car, and the, tra- the, the car wasn't slowing down at all. It wasn't, obviously wasn't paying attention. So at this point in time, he started to wave the lantern, like, hey, come on. He's even starting to yell, and he's realizing that the timing of the train and the timing of the car is perfect in the most unperfect way. And the car is coming, and it's coming faster, and it needs to slow down. It's not slowing down. And at one point in time, he actually had to jump out of the way and get out of the way so that he didn't get hit. And unfortunately, the car and the train played tag. And you know that when a car and a train play tag, the car loses. And so unfortunately, year, or as that, later that year, they had a court hearing to talk about what was happening. And the guy went up, and he went, and he took the stand, and he said, to the, to the judge, hey, I did everything that I knew to do. And so the judge asked him, did you leave your stand? Did you walk out there and you take your post? And he said, yes, I did. Did you bring your lantern? And he said, absolutely, I brought my lantern. I was waving it. I was waving it. And he didn't stop. And then the judge asked the very simple question, did you light the lantern? And it was at that moment in time the guy realized that he absolutely forgot. And he was shining nothing. There was no light to see. There was no warning to give. And so that's why the accident happened. And for some reason and in some way, I feel like that's the church. We know because of God's word what is coming down the pike. We know what's happening, that there will be an eternal judgment. And we have the light of life to show to people. But unfortunately, I feel like sometimes we spend our faith just like this. We're covered up. We're not sharing it. And I get that it's uncomfortable, but we're not sharing it. Jesus says you've got to reveal it. Light is meant to be revealed. It's not meant to be concealed. So either our lamp is out, it's hidden, it's covered up, but we're not being a good light. Let's just be realistic. Like, let's just be really real right now. The outside world thinks we're ridiculous. They laugh at us and what we actually do. And what we actually believe. But they don't know Jesus. Like we know Jesus. They've never experienced the light of life in their world. And they can laugh all they want. But man, I don't want to live my life in darkness. And I don't want them to live their life in darkness. And Jesus doesn't want them to live their life in darkness. Ephesians 5.14 says this. It says, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ, who is light, will shine on you. And so here's the last verse. It tells us how. The last verse of the parable, Jesus tells us how we are to be a light to this world. He said, in the same way, so in the same way as a city on a hill or a lamp on a stand, Let your light shine before others that they may see your church attendance and glorify your Father in heaven. Not even close. They will see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Friends, here's my hope. 
for you and for me as well in both of this, I hope that we, uh, we do such good deeds that we are so kind to other people, to people who don't know Jesus and people who do know Jesus, that they wouldn't come up to us and say, man, they are like the nicest guy I've ever met. Or she is so sweet. She's so nice. I hope they don't say that. You know what I want them to say? I want them to say, literally, are you kidding me? Who does that? Who is that kind? Who is that generous? Who does that? How come they care about me in that way? That would be awesome. That's the good deeds we're talking about. Yet some of us, we're just happy to be, you know, lit, right? We're just happy to be Christians, happy to be going to heaven. Some of you guys are great at this. I cannot help, it's not in my notes, but I cannot help but notice the Steves. The Steves right here, and I don't want to point them out, but I cannot believe how many people, their light affects they literally put their light on it. You guys are so good at this. I wish I was half as good at this at you as you guys. It's unbelievable. And we got to shine our light. We got to put it up on a stand for all to see. They did this in the first century. Here's what they did. The church, they got this, the good deeds portion. When lost children were around, guess who brought the lost children in as their own? The Christians did. When a plague broke out, right? A plague broke out. What happened was they didn't have doctors or medicine in that time. So what people do when plagues broke out in the first century, they would leave. They would abandon. They would run. Pagan priests would take off. But guess who stayed to help the hurt and the sick? The Christians did. And guess what happened? They died. They died. They weren't afraid of dying. They weren't afraid of dying at all, and so they actually ended up dying. But what happened is in a matter of 300 years, the world was turned upside down, and the pagan Roman world took notice, and they didn't take notice because of great preaching or great teaching. They took notice because of powerful living, because of the good deeds that the early Christians did, and because they were actually a light. Guys, I want that for this church. I don't want to just be Another church that's for show, I want to be a church that actually has an impact. That's what I want. That's what I want for all of us. And so how do we practically do this? Next week, we're going to talk real practically about this. But right now, we're just going to scratch the surface a little bit. How do we be a light? How do we live missionally today? Here's the first part. we got to step in. We gotta truly step in. Guys, we have got to get back in the game. That means we need to develop relationships with people who don't have a relationship with Jesus. We've gotten so comfortable at having relationships with one another and we're not being intentional about having relationships with those who don't know Jesus. So just do it. Just start. Meet them on common ground. Have conversations. Invite them over for dinner. Strike up a friendship just like you would somebody else in this church. I would rather you be spending time with non-Christians. You're hearing me say this correctly right now. I'd rather you spend your time with non-Christians these days investing in that relationship for the purpose of being a light to them. And when you're in that relationship, here's what you got to do. You got to look for their wants and their needs. What is it that they really want? Right? And then try to meet that need. What is it that they need? And then try to meet that. My next door neighbor can barely mow the lawn anymore. Her husband is just, uh, he, he can't walk much. And so the wife is sometimes out there doing that. We got, I literally just got to walk across the street and mow their lawn. That's their need that they have. Just walk over there and do that. It's very simple. 
Very, very simple. Identify that. And we got to be intentional about this. It can't be an afterthought. It's literally a mindset shift because we are on mission. And so here's what someone said. I, I, I love this statement. We do good things to earn goodwill to share good news. I'll say that one more time. We do good things. This is the purpose of why we do good deeds, to earn goodwill to share good news. And that's the second point. First is step in, like let's step into relationship. And the second one is speak up. We gotta speak up. We gotta have gospel conversation. So let me just talk about this. This doesn't mean when you first meet them that you need to share the gospel with them, that you need to share the, the, the message of Christ with them. Go for the long play on this, okay? Go for the long play. Put your investment in this and, and take the time to get to know them first. Um, I've heard someone else say, um, always preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. I think that is a terrible statement, right? I think that yes, you have to use words if you're going to share the gospel. You want your actions to match your words, correct. That's what that statement is about. But you have to share the gospel. And the one step we get to is we're so kind and we do good things and then we stop there and we don't share why we actually do them. And the reason we do it is because Christ was so good to us. We're good to them because Christ was so good to us. And so the two best times to start a gospel conference, first off, you need to have a foundational relationship with them, please, have a foundational relationship with them. But the two times to actually have a gospel conversation, strategically speaking, is one, when they ask, that's helpful, let them ask you, and two, when they're in pain and when they're hurting. That is the other time, when their ears are open. Those are the two times, strategically speaking, when you want to start to have a gospel conversation. Don't try to force it but you also need to be looking for it. You need to look and try to find a way in. And so we've got to speak up. We have to speak up. I wrote this down here. I just was trying to imagine what it would be like on the other side of eternity, right? If we didn't speak up, if we could actually have conversations with our friends and our coworkers and at that point in time when they see the reality of God and and his, his glory is made known to all, if they could actually have a conversation, and I hope that they would never say, why didn't you say anything? You know? Two of my best friends aren't Christians. Not yet. Still. I mean, I've been friends with them for a long time. But I've definitely shared the gospel with them. They know the gospel. And it was crazy. Sometimes, you know, when I hang out with them, uh, they will mention my faith and how they, they, they love it. They appreciate my faith. But it wasn't until one of them really was in pain that they started to take it seriously. And then we could have a real gospel conversation, and we did. And he's taken steps, baby, baby, baby steps, but they're steps. But I don't want to get into eternity, and I don't want either of those guys to ask me, why didn't you say something? So we got to speak up, not for our benefit, not because just Jesus told us so, but because of their benefit. To conclude, here's what I want to do. I want to, you know, a lot of times we conclude and we sing songs at the end of service. And we'll do that again today. But I honestly want to conclude with a song of declaration. Okay? We're going to do it in a different way. There's going to be no instruments. So we're going to go full-blown a cappella. All right? And there are two requirements in this. One is um, is that you actually sing, right? 
So uh, a lot of times I've, I've been in worship services and people will lift their hands and they're just moving their mouth, right? Um, not singing loud. Uh, my dear friend, Dave Kelly, I've talked about him many times, my mentor, uh, he, sings, he sings loud and he sings horrible. So he is terrible. If you see him, you let him know that, hey, Jake told me you're the worst singer that he's ever met. And it's true, he is. He is the worst singer. He can't sing on pitch. He tries to hit a t- note. He'll hit a note, but it's the same note through the whole entire song. Um, and so he'll sing next to me, and I love worshiping next to him. He throws me off key all the time, but I love it. And you want to know why? It's because Dave goes for it. He sings loud, and he sings as if Jesus is hearing him. And that's what I want you to do today. In this, I want you to sing as if God, if you're singing straight to the ears of Jesus, because you are. And so one is sing loud. And then two is sing if only if you want to be a light. If this is your heart's cry, Right? that you would cry out to God, I want to be a light. Help me to be a light. And so we're going to sing a song. It's your probably in what song? It is a song that is so profound. It is so powerful. It so perfectly encapsulates this concept of living missionally. And some of you are like, I know it, Jake. I know it. It's that song, that famous worship song that goes, Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. It's not that song, okay? <laughs> Maybe you were, uh, you were uh, born the same time I was. You're thinking it's DC talk, right? You're like, I want to be in the light as you are in the light. I want to shine like the stars in the heavens. Not that song either, okay? <laughs> nope, I know you were hoping for it. I was. It was a song so powerful, so perfect that you learned it in Sunday school, okay? When you know it, I want you to sing it with me if you believe it. It goes like this. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. There's a whole nother verse there. Like, there's like a, <laughs> do you notice it's on there three times? I won't hide it under a bushel, no. I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel, no. I'm going to let it shine. Don't hide it under the bushel. Hide it under a bushel, no. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. All right, now close your eyes and sing it one more time. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. That's good. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. One more. This little light of mine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. That is beautiful. So good. That was awesome. Some of you guys were like pointing your finger out. I'm going to let it shine. I saw a couple cell phones, a few lighters. That was awkward. But <laughs> dude, that is our prayer, is it not? That's our calling. That's our commission. That's what living missionally is, is that we would be a light and we would let it shine. Guys, I don't want to hide it under a bushel, right? No. We need to let it shine. People need to know you're a Christian. If your mom doesn't know you're a Christian, then you're probably not. We need to let our light shine for the glory of God 
because he asks us, and catch this, because a dark world needs us to. Let's pray.